and welcome to this week's episode of Shitty Christians. I'm your host, Zachary Allard. And I'm your better host, Michael Tabor. Michael, there's been some things happening recently. (laughs) I know people are excited that Joe Biden is president. People are like, hey. Yeah, America is healing. America's back, baby. Uh, Justice has returned to the land. Uh, The hand of Biden stretches out across America Mm -hmm. and brings Mm -hmm. healing and justice for all. Uh, Quick side note, abortion is going away. (laughs) Yeah, so... That's bad. Yes. Uh, So, yeah, we are going to be back on our abortion bullshit. Not the first time we've discussed this topic on Shitty Christians. Uh, Staunchly, not only are we pro-abortion, we are uh, pro-mandatory abortion. Mandatory abortion. There should be no babies. Yeah. Uh, Babies. Kind of gross. I'm going to reverse Logan's run this shit. Anybody under the age of, like, 15? No. No more. Just get out of here. I mean, like, listen... If you can manage to pop out like a five-year-old, but like a cute five-year-old with some personality, that's fine. We can talk. It's fine. Who the fuck wants to deal with a little blob of like, I don't know, fat and appendages? Have you met a baby? Because I haven't. So I'm hoping you have. It's possible to meet a baby. Can you meet a tree? You can meet a tree more than you can a baby. (laughs) (laughs) We are off to a terrible start with this. Disavowing our own words on this podcast. Uh, No, okay. So... Two things that have just recently happened, a long time coming, but coming to fruition now. Texas passing mm-hmm. uh, a six-week abortion ban, which is to say functionally a total abortion ban. Yeah, there is. Governor signed it into law uh, just a couple days ago. You can't even know you're pregnant. Yeah, uh, most women are not aware of their pregnancy at six weeks, uh, meaning that most women will never have the opportunity to choose. Uh, but even for the ones that like rarely do, you are then dealing with all the obnoxious bullshit that Texas already does. Uh, around abortion so Mm -hmm. functionally a full abortion ban in texas and uh by the same guy who brought you no power yeah yeah by the same guy who brought you go fuck yourself uh over 100 of you will die the strong will survive oh god uh and then of course this mississippi 15-week abortion ban which is a couple months earlier Mm -hmm. than what is protected under a place a place that only has one clinic uh that yes last chance mississippi um but uh but that is now going to the Supreme Court. They have agreed to hear the case. The Supreme Court has been signaling for uh, many months now that they wanted a chance to uh, deal yeah. directly with Roe v. Wade in a series of decisions where they're just kind of off in the corner of these totally other cases being like, man, I really wish somebody would bring me a case tailor-made to over- overturn Roe v. Wade. This should be reviewed. Uh, wink, 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 wink. Yeah, nudge, 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 nudge. Hike the uh, judicial robe yeah. just a little bit, flash you, a little skin. You don't want Kavanaugh flashing you anything. I'm going to tell you that God. right now. Uh, it's not going to stop him, but it should. Uh, so That's the whole Kavanaugh story. It's not going to stop him, but it should. God. So true. Uh, So now that the Supreme Court has agreed to hear that, uh, the thing that we have always known was going to be the case under the 6-3 hyper-conservative Supreme Court Mm. is quickly coming to pass. Uh, This case in Mississippi has never had arguments presented for it. They knew they were going to lose all the way up the line, so they didn't, they neglect, they declined, sorry, uh, oral arguments all the way up the line because they were like, yeah, yeah, no, we we know you're going to say that this is illegal. Uh, the whole point is to get the Supreme Court anyway. So they just fast-tracked it through loss after loss through all the lower courts. Just game the whole system all the way up. Baby. And uh, and the only thing that could have, uh, you know, alleviated what we know will be true mm-hmm. is if the Supreme Court had declined to hear the case. But, of course, we now know that that has not happened. Uh, and thus, we are in a really dark place in America uh, where uh, reproductive rights are... Uh, 
probably going to be overturned at a federal level the way they already functionally have at the state level in so many places. And mm -hmm. states have for a long time been sort of nickel and diming away the right to abortion, imp implying increasingly more stringent and odious regulations on yeah. clinics, demands on the, the women, uh, costs incurred. Uh, but what we are probably going to see is the end of a constitutional defense for a woman's right to choose. And uh, it's a really dark timeline. Yes. Um, yeah, I would like to give a special shout out to Ruth Bader Ginsburg here as well. Hero like, of the For podcast. the assist. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? She was like, listen, could I help protect abortion? Of course. Mm -hmm. But I could also spend my dying days where I'm not aware of what's happening around me clinging desperately to power. And she chose the latter like a true king. In, in any of these things, it's the shooters that get all the credit. Uh, but, you know, it's a team game. It's a team That's effort. Right. And ultimately, Ruth Bader Ginsburg played for what, played for that fucking team with all her heart. Uh, who knew all this? For, who knew all this time Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Pro-life. Pro yeah. Uh, yeah. All of her time hanging out with what's-his-face? Scalia. Scalia clearly paid off. <laughs> uh, but... Since we are dealing with the hellscape of American judicial system, mm -hmm. uh, after liberals have totally failed to do anything to actually deal with the courts and allowed them to be taken over yep. by a series of progressively more insane Catholics, uh, we are in a situation where we need someone to lead us through what this new future looks like, which is why I'm so happy <laughs> that one Nick Loeb spent $8 million making a film to help us understand what Roe versus Wade was really about. I cannot believe that movie cost $8 million to produce. $8 million. So this movie just came out on streaming services yes. a handful of weeks ago, mm -hmm. uh, and it purports to be an even-handed look at the real truth behind the Roe v. Wade Wait, decision. does it really say that? That is in all even of his marketing. Even fucking handed? Even-handed, just the facts. That, that comes <laughs> up in every interview that Nick gives about this, and don't worry, we will get to exactly who the fuck Nick Loeb <laughs> is. Uh, but everything that Nick says, and he got a fair amount of press for this, yeah. uh, it's just him being like, hey, we're just telling the true story. When he's talking to a slightly more conservative outlet, he'll delve a little bit more into like the real truth. Mm -hmm. When he's talking to like more liberal sources, yeah. he's, uh, I wouldn't say canny. I don't think anything Nick has ever done is canny. <laughs> but he at least knows enough to be like, hey, we, uh, we try to present all sides. Uh, that... Do you, Nick? Do you? <laughs> you didn't try very hard. Well, okay, okay, to be fair. So we sat down for this two-hour major motion picture event featuring over 80 speaking roles and 60 locations in a period piece that oh, they man. spent $8 million on and looks like one of the biggest pieces of shit I have ever seen committed to screen. I, I don't want to spend it. I do. Okay, here's the yeah. thing. I want to spend the rest of this podcast only talking about color grading. We need to talk about color grading. Why does the movie look like it takes place inside of the 1970s smog filter Los Angeles? Yeah, no, this entire movie uh, is, is set in an Instagram filter that got canceled before the app came out. <laughs> this entire movie makes you question correctly the concept of race because everyone is the incorrect color for their background it is it is honest to goodness an alternate universe in which every human being has jaundice it's an alternate universe where donald trump is pale and everyone else is colored like donald trump in our universe <laughs> it's an alternate universe in which donald trump picked up uh, the the banner from Jeffrey Epstein to become the father of all humanity and succeeded. Yes. yes. So we are living in a Trump-only universe where a world all, all the all races are united <laughs> under the orange banner of, of Sir Donald. 
All of which is to say, uh, they didn't do a very good job with the color. It grading. looks so bad. <laughs> it looks so bad. I'm looking at. I looked up. I'm not kidding. I googled pictures of Nick Loeb just because I wanted to know what he looked like in real life. Because in this movie, he is a sweaty yellow mud man. This uh, color grading was so bad it turned Zach into a race realist because he was just like. I Understand. To understand what was happening. Okay. I don't even know. Unlike every <laughs> evangelical movie we've done, and yes. we've done some great ones. Oh, the shout outs of... Assassin 33 oh, AD. My new and favorite. And we've done some true stinkers. Shout outs yeah. the other evangelical time travel <laughs> movie we've done. And I remember when we mm-hmm. did our first uh, hyper anti abortion Planned Parenthood yes. hit piece uh, movie, being like, man, there was some entertaining shit here, but this was pretty bad. And yeah. I just, I just need to offer an official shitty Christians apology to Unplanned, yes, because that movie at least had things like plot, uh, characters, yeah. There's, yeah. An, there's an arc, technically. escalating stakes, yeah. Like that movie was so much more competently a movie. Hot husbands. It did have hot husbands. Hot husbands. There's a distinct lack of hot husbands in this. It movie. was really sad. So mainly because Nick Loeb plays the main husband. Yeah. yeah. So Nick Loeb, uh, who again we will get into his biography, but he is the writer, uh, director, and star of this period piece about uh, the ruling of Roe versus Wade, and he plays an abortion doctor. Uh, and we start the movie with Nick talking about how like babies are just a clump of cells, just a just an assortment <laughs> of dead tissue. And then comes about two hours wherein every conservative Hollywood figure plus a handful of alt-right personas proceed to Mm -hmm. essentially recite for you uh, your mother's Facebook posts. Oh, man. Including all the typos. (laughs) Including all the typos, which the script at one point leaked, and evidently there were many of. But I have never seen (laughs) a motion picture of any description that tries less to tell a story Mm -hmm. and more to just present the same shitty arguments that anyone who has grown up in a pro-life evangelical background has heard a thousand times, uh, basically devoid of context or character. So, I have a couple... There's a couple things to hit on that. First of all... There is no plot. There is no story. Yeah. If we if we consider plot and story to be sort of su- like a character dealing with conflicts to achieve ends mm-hmm. and then be changed by that. Yes. There is none of that. Absolutely not. People do change their mind. They go from pro-abortion <laughs> to pro-life. But that uh, uh, happens in the absence of any any real plotting. It is a bad pamphlet summarizing a series of canards about the pro-choice movement in the 1970s. That is the entirety of what happens. So, yeah. And then some very, I will say the argumentation is also irritatingly smug. Like people are like, I can't believe you thought that was okay. You idiot. Have you ever thought of Beethoven? What if you had aborted Beethoven, you dick? You Nazi aborting mm-hmm. Beethoven. Mm-hmm. That is a thing that in this world <laughs> college professors say. Yeah. <laughs> like what? To lecture their liberal students. And so there are two things this movie is. One, a series of Facebook posts yep. wherein people make arguments you've heard before, like the, well, you know, what if you had, uh, you know, uh, a syphilitic father and a, <laughs> you know, mother with some, someone else and, and the baby was going to be born deaf? Like, you know, wouldn't it be the greater kindness to just end that pregnancy? And of course, the liberal student walks right into it and goes like, yeah, because everybody who believes in abortion is a eugenicist. And then the <laughs> professor gets to be like, you would have aborted Beethoven. I just, I want to go on the record 
record here and say, yeah, fuck Beethoven. Fuck Beethoven. I would have. I I wish I had could go back in time and abort Beethoven. Assassin thirty three. Yes. Uh, Ninth Symphony. Hit me back with the sixty ninth Symphony. Beethoven. Nice. Nice. Uh, and that just continues through this whole yes. movie. The other thing this <laughs> movie is. Yeah, and we'll get to like lies they tell about Margaret Sanger, about Martin mm-hmm. Luther King Jr. Yeah. Like there, there's a lot of inaccuracies to get into there. The other thing that this movie is, is extreme right-wing reactionary conspiracy theories yes. about abortion and about the way that that case <laughs> came to be, mm-hmm. about who was involved. 60 a- minutes are spent on the Supreme Court guys just talking to each other through their oatmeal mouths. Like, oh, I just don't think this is okay. And then... Their wives yell at them. Yeah, so one of the many canards of this movie is that John Voigt and the dad from Smallville uh, were both pressured into voting pro-abortion because their wives nagged them. Their wives and daughters nagged them, including... The first of our many alt-right cameos, Tommy Lauren or Loren? Oh, yes. Who gives a shit? Uh, As one of the daughters lecturing her Supreme Court justice father on the need to vote pro-abortion. Yeah. Uh, I think it's amazing. I think there's something so weird about, I'm a right-wing psycho. I'm Mm -hmm. Tammy Lauren. And I think abortion is murdering a baby. But I also want to guest star in a movie where I play a woman saying that's okay. The other thing that this movie is, is about a shadowy cabal of Jews <laughs> yeah. controlling the media mm-hmm. in order to make abortions happen. That is not us inferring. No, that, that is the stated text of the piece. That is the explicit text. Now, Nick Loeb is Jewish, so he makes that case. It doesn't make it any less anti-Semitic when he's constantly being like, the media wants this to happen. This is fake. No one believes this. The media, wink, wink, this, these people, wink, wink, are making this occur. And so you have Nick Loeb playing a Jewish abortion doctor, mm-hmm. hanging out with Jamie Kennedy, Playing a Jewish abortion procurer slash I don't I don't really know what his role is in this beyond uh, being part of the cabal. Jamie Kennedy he's he's just being Jamie Kennedy the Jamie Kennedy experiment it really went awry man <laughs> I fucking hate this reboot <laughs> and maybe we can get into the sorrow of Jamie Kennedy's involvement in this it, because pretty much everyone is this else a good spot for that because like you know yeah. what yes yes he's, it is so people let's, were upset let's with tell Jamie us the tale of so the people tragedy. were upset with Jamie Kennedy mm-hmm. they were like Jamie Kennedy what the fuck why are you the doing? fuck were you in this movie and he got some interviews and people just being mad at him and so. The Daily Beast talked to Jamie Kennedy, and he was like, listen, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) This is a quote from him. To be honest, I got offered the role. It was a more dramatic part and a real offer. And so I did some research. I knew there was a lot of stuff we were walking into. But in other parts of Hollywood, I have to read, read, read. And this was a nice offer. (laughs) Certain parts in Hollywood had me read 19 times for the 10th season of a TNT show. Here comes this detailed character. I'm an actor. I apologize if I piss people off. Uh, It's so sad. He also calls himself a radical centrist in that, which is very (laughs) funny because radical centrism Uh, will absolutely turn you into an accidental Nazi. I just, I want to say, I want to say that like, this is not acceptable. Jamie Kennedy shouldn't have been in this movie, but also as somebody who has like worked in the outskirts of Hollywood, I feel for Jamie Kennedy yeah, here. There, there's a true sorrow of just like, I just wanted to like do a thing. I just, he wanted a job, right? Like he wanted a job and sometimes you just take a job. And it's, it's, there's something really sad about Jamie Kennedy being like, 
I just, I wanted to pay my bills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whereas, like, John Boyd is in here just, like, moving and grooving. He brings no energy to the screen. Yeah. Literally no. none. Just like everyone else in this movie. No, John Boyd has old conservative dad face where his face doesn't move and his lips barely just kind of form the his words. His jowls just sort of gently tremble in the breeze. Gravy is dripping from them. It's, yeah. It's, it's really gross. From his eyeballs. He bleeds gravy. <laughs> he cries gravy. Uh, let's get into... Okay, so... He, let me let me uh, construct for you the entire plot of this movie. Okay. Nick Loeb is an abortion doctor. Yeah. He aborted. Uh, he got in, interested in abortion because he had his uh, then paramour got pregnant and mm-hmm. wanted an abortion. So he gave her $500 to have an abortion. Yeah. And then she died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert to the end of the movie when it was revealed that Nick Loeb was the abortion doctor performing the abortion. And he is like looking at his aborted fetus. And then his paramour dies. I love that the lead in this movie, the big twist reveal, is that he murdered his girlfriend, and so he decided to do more abortions. Yes. He, so he decided, I should do this 20,000 more times. 70,000, oh, by his me. own estimate. And he is based on a real-life abortion doctor who flipped and became pro-life yeah. and put out a series of extremely propagandistic total lies, uh, including uh, a fairly famous pro-life movie called The Silent Scream, and wherein they literally just made up a scene of yeah. an abortion and like slowed up and sped up footage and... like. You know, was fake. It was it was absolutely faked footage. Uh, it, but you know, like a lot of people, he got paid to switch sides. Yeah. Um, some of the and and so over the course of this, this is just the story of him and his shadowy cabal of Jews and feminists yeah. uh, fighting to take down the Catholic Church, which in this movie, made by a half Jewish person, is the paragon of all righteousness and virtue, and also deeply persecuted. The Catholic. <laughs> this is a story of Catholic persecution <laughs> through and through. This is a, like I wish. In some ways, I want to live in the alternate reality where Catholics are fucking persecuted because that is not this world, okay? <laughs> it is not the they world we like live in. Five of the nine Supreme Court justices are Catholics. So shut the fuck up. Yeah, and it's it's literally like Nick Loeb and Jamie Kennedy sitting on a beach that because so they good. made millions and millions of dollars off abortions, which is one yep. of the big, big things is like, oh, Planned Parenthood makes this much money, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Uh, and so they're just hanging out on a beach with supermodels, laughing about how they control the media and toasting how many abortions they've done and then talking about how like, hey, we need someone to pin this on. Yeah, and Who, Jamie What's Ke- the shadowy cabal of people that people already think <laughs> they can't trust? Catholics. You know, here's the thing I want to say. On the record, this won't bite me in the ass. Catholics have never done anything to deserve that reputation as a shadowy group of people who do bad things who and cover control up the, the terrible media. things they do to children. There's no reason for that. That would never, that never have any reason to exist. And that, again, <laughs> as a podcast that talks a lot of shit about the culture that we grew up in, yeah. I resent the fact that you have to make up lies about the Catholic Church to make them sound bad. <laughs> You can just talk about the shit they actually do. Yeah, you can just Google the shit they've admitted to in court, bro. <laughs> uh, so there is literally no point in trying to walk you through I'm not the myriad scenes. The things that you need to know is they spent $8 million to make a movie wherein the director, first AD, costume yep. designer of the period piece all quit on day one. <laughs> For a paying job. For a paying job yeah. that you, like that we know are hard to come by. The costume designer, according to Nick Loeb, got in a go fuck yourself before she walked off set. Really? At which point Nick 
Writer-director. We've got to work with her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we need to find her. Uh, Nick decided that him and his producing partner were going to direct themselves, which is perhaps why you could spend $8 million recording the flattest imagery that has ever been caught on screen. I mean, I'm just talking like, what if a camera never moved? What if the the most action you get is a entirely fictional scene wherein the cops break up a back alley abortion clinic that's in a five-star hotel because again abortion doctors are rich and they find buckets (laughs) of dead fetuses there are saw style actually buckets in this apparently five-star hotel like huge pails like jack and jill style bullshit of like just fetuses full babies though to be honest floating in a bloody salinated solution yeah and and like all abortion movies every abortion that has ever happened is approximately of a two-year-old like, <laughs> like no, the boy, the baby, they're like mommy why'd you abort me <laughs> literally at one point a senator reads this something so called uh the diary of an unborn child yeah wherein quivering this 60 year old man no 90 he's the oldest man alive this sentient jelly donut (laughs) is just sobbing as he reads the most maudlin prose about a baby (laughs) being like i can't wait to meet my mommy my eyes are already forming it's dark in here but i can't wait to see the world today mommy killed me as (laughs) as i as i mentioned the time baby didn't write that you dead motherfucker Shut the fuck up. And that baby's name was Beethoven. No, the movie is so boring looking. It, there's no visual elements, and there's no fewer than 20 times will, like, a pro-choice or lib or feminist say something, and he'll, like, do, like, needle scratch out, like, actually, yeah. this is this was a lie. This was a lie. Uh, I was lying about the number and of illegal abortions. The most upsetting of these was at one point when a young woman, who's obviously had a tough life, endured some trauma, is like, I was raped, and the movie stops to go, no, she wasn't. And I was like, oh, God. This is like if Harvey Weinstein made a movie about his victims. (laughs) Actually, she was super into me. This giant fat man with deformities, she was super feeling it. Uh, Yeah, no, this is is specifically their portrayal of Norma McCorvey, Mm -hmm. uh, who was uh, part of the Roe v. Wade case. Yes. uh, Later came out as a pro-life figure, and then nearing her deathbed, uh, admitted that she had, in fact, never been pro-life, but was, in fact, paid upwards of half a million dollars by pro-life institutions to lie and and her story is so tragic she oh, had it's the, the hardest story. life and like and to be honest she was victimized by both sides of this of because course. as we see with the mississippi case all of these court cases require the perfect situation that's right you we're trying to sort of rig the system yeah. of judicial rulings based on like creating the perfect narrative from the case mm-hmm. uh, but norma has been used and abused uh specifically by the pro-life movement for decades a- admitted it on yes. her deathbed and they portray her as if this never happened and also her account of her sexual assault is not true it is despite the fact that she said she was paid to lie about this that is presented as truth it is one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever seen. It, it really, it, it's, I'm going to make one more comparison. It's like if, if you watch Seven directed by the killer. He's like, yeah, I put her head in a box. Had to be done, man. I was making a point. Like, yeah. it's, it's really psycho shit. It, it, she was into it. Um, other lies this movie tells, <laughs> and then maybe we can get more to the story of Nick yes. Loeb, uh, saying that Martin Luther King was anti-abortion. 
so actually inaccurate. He was literally on a council for Planned Parenthood, I, I, worked with them explicitly, believed in the rights of families yeah. to plan. I uh, stormed out at that moment, so I didn't even hear that. I couldn't deal. Oh, yeah. No, like... Again, you've heard these canards a thousand times, but yes, that definitely happened. Uh, they portray Margaret Sanger, one of the founders of Planned Parenthood, as a KKK member uh, and use totally uh, misattributed quotes from her. And again, this is not an offense to Margaret yeah. Sanger, uh, but Margaret Sanger, founder of Planned Parenthood, at one point spoke at the women's branch of a KKK meeting sure. uh, in the context of like trying to talk about family planning where anyone would have her. And they used sure. this to basically say she was a member of the KKK and they depict her standing in front of a burning cross the, as she gives this speech. The most racist speech possible. Yeah. And, and the speech is literally like, we want to kill black people. And they are using a, a quote from her autobiography where she's talking about reaching out to black ministers and right. like political leaders specifically to avoid that misunderstanding and they That's pull right. that sentence out and they say see 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 what she wanted to do was exterminate black people when in fact she was a staunch anti-segregationist i know now one thing we have to acknowledge about margaret she uh, did dabble in eugenicism yes uh but i think the thing that is often forget forgotten is that that was a very popular position at the time yeah. and you know who they don't uh complain about the eugenicism of winston churchill theodore roosevelt uh like there I mean, are, everyone on the fucking right. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, well, but it was also, this was yeah. considered, uh, like, public health yes. at the time. And yes. obviously, that is wrong and horrific, and no one is supporting that or defending it. But it's funny how we don't get the same, like, <laughs> see, they were secretly wanting to yeah. kill all the blacks when Winston Churchill was actively trying to kill all the other people. Yeah, Winston oh. Churchill Winston Churchill went to, like, Cornwall. Like, people who were ethnically Anglos and was like, we have to get rid of these people. Yeah. Winston Churchill was, like, the Irish problem. You know what I'm saying? So, the movie ends with a song. They play this song twice, and I I can't get over it. Zach, would you like to sing us the song? I would not like to, but the first line is 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 basically him saying, "There's a fortune in abortion," and in this scene, this abortion doctor is playing it with his family and his wife and there's children around his extended family and they all break into song they're all just singing i'm gonna read some of the some of the other lyrics just a twist of the wrist and you're through there's a gold mine in the sex line what's that even mean <laughs> uh not only rabbits have those habits uh there's a fortune in abortion you never bother the future father and they like it takes like several minutes it's grueling they oh, yeah. they have a co that they is played a in the middle of the movie and then they bring it back at the end to just be like did you get it did you get how evil these people are by the way this was just a lie made up by this formerly abortion doctor who became and i don't like, he just made it up yeah i don't know if i don't want to spend too much time on this they are also the most culturally jewish family possible mm -hmm. that are singing and playing this song it is extremely questionable it is it is we will get to why Nick Loeb, an ethnically Jewish gentleman, might yes. have such strong pro-Catholic, anti-Jewish sympathies uh, <laughs> in just a second. But just, we are not exaggerating when we say this is one of the most staggeringly, like, troubling race. Like, this Cringy is a story, anti -Semitic story. <laughs> about, about a shadowy cabal of people Yes, that is claiming that the shadowy cabal of people is blaming another shadowy cabal of people, the Catholics, but actually the Catholics are good. It's real, real gross. Uh Let's just run through a couple of the cameos. Uh, my favorite one, Roger Stone. Okay, I lost my fucking mind when that happened. Roger Stone playing a Washington Post reporter. Because I can only pay attention like half the movie at a time. Oh, God, yeah. Without yeah. getting permanent brain damage. It's like sort of like taking peeks at the sun. And I look up at one point and I see 
uh, some character, don't even know. And he's in a car with literally Roger fucking Stone playing a Washington Post reporter doing kind of deep throaty style shit. And it melted my brain. One of the most evil people of the last 40, 50 years who has like been around the deep state, who is deeply involved. There's lots of evidence pointing this in like the creation of shit like Pizzagate, yep. who has like done tons of limited hangout nonsense, who was buddies with Nixon. Like, Deeply evil human being who has created... Long before Donald Trump was ever oh, on yeah. the scene, Roger Stone was making the world a worse and more evil oh, yeah. place in a thousand different ways. And the Pizzagate stuff, like, he talks about that openly. Oh, like, yeah. this is not a This is not hard to find. Uh, Truanon is obviously the go-to source for a lot of this, but, like, you can just Google Roger Stone shit, and it is vile. And he's just there playing a, just playing a reporter, and yep. it's just like... So many layers of fucked up. <laughs> like it would be like Jeffrey Epstein seriously showing up and being like, "So I want to talk to the New York Times." Yeah, it's just like, yeah. what is happening? Other cameos: Mike Lindell of My Pillow Fame. I miss uh, that one. This makes me. Yeah, sad. I didn't notice it at the time, but uh, he's he's like a TV reporter. Our in future there. president. And then uh, one Milo Yiannopoulos. Uh, Milo. Uh, and he played the a dangerous... British abortion doctor, Dandy. That's who it was. That's and you who are it recognized was. him. And we were wondering, like, why is this scene so weird and long? It's because they wanted to give Milo a little more screen time. And these guys talk about in the making of this movie how they had to keep all this under wraps so more people didn't quit on them. But yes, Milo, Mr. I am no longer a homosexual himself. Uh, out here just and and like the whole thing is how callous he is about oh, how many abortions he can perform like he, also, also I don't want to be rude here Milo that scene was not convincing me you were no longer a homosexual <laughs> that's not rude yeah <laughs> you have this assortment of conservative Hollywood figures plus mm. alt-right cameos yep. uh, all sort of swirling in this morass that is then wrapped up stuck through a shit filter and and it presented as the unvarnished truth it, I wish it was more interesting. Yeah, and and what I have, yeah. If you're going to spend two hours lying to me, yeah. you should at least make them interesting lies. We've talked about this. Both Zach and I have enjoyed reactionary media in the past. Oh yeah, Dirty Harry slaps. It's a good movie. It's, I, it's, it's a good movie with really fucking bad politics. Obviously. Uh, or, or Assassin's Thirty Three AD, oh, a man. movie that has a lot of really interesting things and was a heck of a good time to watch with some <laughs> extremely reactionary politics uh, that it kept getting distracted from presenting because time travel's cool. Uh, but this is like the most boring movie that I have seen in a long time. I think it is probably the worst movie we've watched it, for this podcast. It betray, well, because it betrays, and we don't, I don't, we don't take a lot of time, a fundamental misunderstanding of what storytelling and cinema are. And so it really is just a filmed series of speeches. Yeah. It like watched half an episode of West Wing and was like, none of the, I'm going to present none of the talent, drama, or acting. I am just going to have a guy talk to the camera about ideas. Yeah, and and even more than that, it doesn't care to build to any of those moments. No. They're just sprinkled through. Like, the, the you can't handle the truth scene yeah. is sprinkled like 15 times in this what movie. What if the I can't handle the truth scene was two hours with worse actors just talking about why abortion is evil. Yeah, the acting is truly repugnant. Absolutely do not watch this movie. No. But it does beg a question. <laughs> How the fuck did this happen? Yeah, why are we here, bro? And the answer is one Nick Loeb. Now, who is Nick Loeb? Yes, who is Nick Loeb? He's the son of uh, two different 
Yes. Major banking families. In every article you read about him, he is referred to as a scion. <laughs> <laughs> good, si- good sign. To a great start. So we're talking the Loeb family, which is the founder- founders of the brokerage firm Loeb, Rhodes & Company. Yes. And the Lehman family, founders of the global financial services firm, the Lehman Brothers. So- this Otherwise is, known as the people that fucked your life up in 2008. He's related to the people that destroyed the entire world. The and, entire global economy. And still haven't recovered from. Yeah. No, that we, we now we're in a whole other shit. Some of your grandmother's money that, that they stole mm-hmm. was used to make this movie, wherein they sing about abortion. Wherein they sing lies about abortion, yes. <laughs> the, the abortion, the musical, would have been a way better movie. Uh, so he is... Returning to one of our favorite topics, a fail son. <laughs> yeah, this is the most Eric Trump ass film ever. This made. is a very Eric Trump film. This is <laughs> this is uh, the other Falwell kid. <laughs> like this Ooh, is yeah. this is like the off off brand. So uh, why is this movie so pro Catholic and anti Jew? Well, to hear Nick tell it, uh, despite being uh, half Jewish ethnically, he was baptized into the Episcopalian Church as a child, but mm-hmm. functionally raised by his Catholic nanny, who considers his true mother, and thus uh, considers go. himself a Catholic now, and is always associated with the Catholic that faith. That explains the weird ending of the movie, wherein he and the abortion doctor are converting to Catholicism, yes. and that is considered the light. Oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> that That is their true redemption, is him kneeling in a Catholic church. Uh, um, it had very much like Spain 1560 vibes. It was really icky. It's a big church. Um, well, his, no, like the idea of like a, a Jewish person being baptized in the Catholic church oh, and that being a good yes, thing. That's yes, like, ooh. Yes. Uh, his mom left when he was one. He was raised by his father, who didn't give a shit about him. Yeah. Uh, at 14, he was, like, spending his summers in boarding school. His yeah. father, the son of the guy who really made all the money. Yeah, of course. Uh, the guy who donated $70 million to Harvard. Just Harvard. Just Harvard. Oh, um, God. They, that is... But And so his dad was already kind of one step down from that. But he was, like, the ambassador to Denmark. Yeah. Uh, Nick tells a story of shaking Reagan's hand as a child mm. and being given a jar full of jelly beans. And he still has the jar because Nick <laughs> is the guy that wants to suck Reagan's dick even now. Who did Reagan think this boy was he gave the jelly beans to? Because <laughs> he wasn't aware at the time. Reagan was just handing out jelly beans to whomever. Mm-hmm. And so in an act of rebellion... Nick decided to not go to Harvard. Wow. Uh, you know, that that was my act of rebellion, too. <laughs> and it, very, very funny where he was just like, yeah, I didn't have the grades for it. I mean, I could have gotten in because of, you know, all the money my family's donated. Yeah. But I decided to go to Tulane. Oh, buddy. Um, he has wanted to do film stuff for a long time. Uh, when he graduated college, he got involved uh Hel- it didn't even say producing. It said helping make, and he had a role in an independent movie called The Smokers. And I'm just going to read you the plot of this movie. I'm excited. So this is his first act post-college, breaking into the film industry. Let's do it. Three rebellious teenage girls decide to even the score in the battle of the sexes. Okay. Three, three girls conspire to use a pistol to turn the table on males after a wealthy older man whom Karen had a one-night stand with refuses to give her his home phone number. They stage a sexual assault on David, Lisa's on-and-off boyfriend, in an effort to be more like their male counterparts. However, it backfires as all three girls learn they are not able to have sex the way they feel a man can. Their unfaithfulness to their own objective is summed up in Karen's words just prior to her tragic ending, I wish I had a boyfriend. I'm sorry, I blacked out during that. <laughs> yeah, that was probably a right call. Uh, the film has a 2.9 on IMDb. That is one of the more 
I didn't realize that you could make a synopsis that upsetting. Yeah, right? I didn't... Uh, okay. I understand. The Weinstein connection is really coming clear. That is incredible to make a movie about, like, women. Women, right? women be staging sexual assaults. Women be staging rapes. Uh, he then was a PA on, on a movie uh, that he got on because his uncle owned Universal Studios. Well, you know, okay, okay. I actually need to. Say, that's hilarious, though, that he was still he a got PA. a PA. He got a PA gig because his uncle owned the studio. He can't even be good at nepotism. He he is such a fail son that even the nepotism can't save him. Uh, <laughs> he did, however, was able to. Uh, you know, somebody nudged the director, and he got a few speaking lines so he could get a sad card. That is so good. So good. He had a small role in a movie called The Good War. Uh, and then, and this is in <laughs> oh, his the Wikipedia good war on page. Women was yeah, the yeah, original yeah, yeah. title. It's about Italian prisoners of war, so maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, this is in his Wikipedia under his career, hosted a party for American Pie 2 at a mansion he had bought in the Hollywood Hills, attended by the Bush Twins and a Backstreet Boy. Apologies to your listener. I could not find any uh, specific knowledge as to which Bass Streak boy attended the party that Nick Loeb held for American Pie 2. <laughs> oh, that is... I love that he has somehow become sort of failed Hollywood son, just yeah. incarnate. Yeah, yeah. He is... Like, because I know people in Hollywood who tend to their Wikipedia page constantly. And I guarantee you, this guy does that. Like, he wants the world to know that a Backstreet Boy <laughs> for American Pie 2 showed up at his fucking mansion, man. That, like, he hummed four bars of I Want It That Way <laughs> after three GTs. After Nick Loeb, yeah, harassed him for several <laughs> hours to do it. And then was like, nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like... <laughs> This kid is a trust fund kid. Yeah. So he shows up, buys a multi-million dollar mansion, and then proceeds to do... To be a PA when his brother, when his uncle owned Universal. Yeah. Incredible he stuff. Mr. Loeb wanted to make big budget movies like Die Hard, but felt frustrated by the pitch process. His uncle owns Universal and he can't make <laughs> he a movie. can't make a movie. He discovered he could make easier money by renting out his mansion and flipping other properties. Wow, rich guy learns he can make money with By real estate. Fucking over LA real estate. Good job. Well done, buddy. Idiot. <laughs> this is one of my favorite lines because okay. I think it really speaks to the derangement. Also, of who you don't Nick need is. to make money. <laughs> yeah. You're a trust fund kid. You fuck. You idiot. Anyways, after 9 11. Yes, already. Clutch. He worked as a volunteer policeman with the sheriff's department in LA. Oh, that's so good. That's so funny. It's. Really something, isn't You go, it? you leave your mansion. You mm -hmm. leave your 7,000-foot monstrosity in the hills. Yeah, that's You, you take your air-cooled 911 to the sheriff's office where you just on ride-alongs all day. So you can be a meter maid unpaid. <laughs> and just, just so we're clear. Oh, man. What your response to 911 was to police the people of Los Angeles. <laughs> What does that say about you, dude? That you were like, yeah, I need to get in this fight. This is important. I, they're, they're, they're taking our buildings. We got to do something. I'm going to be a volunteer policeman for the sheriff's department. By the way, LAPD sheriff's, uh, or sorry, the sheriff's department in Los Angeles County, there's been a ton of information coming out about how it is all just police gangs. Yeah. And like, they kill people constantly. Like, there's some really dark reporting about like, 
specifically the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department. So it's like a little creepier than it even sounds. Yeah. And no, it it's sounds bad. really creepy. This guy already comes from creepy people who like buy Harvard and like run Universal. And he's like, I should like hang out with these like these like cop gangs. And yeah, like... well, he, is, he is the saddest Batman. He is, <laughs> he is the scion of immense wealth yep. made in terrible yep. sectors that cause nothing but harm to people. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to I'm going to take the authority of the state and go harass people with it. It's it's so bizarre that like you were brought up in this world where like people are eating babies and like they're like being ambassadors and like giving money to Harvard. Like he had more rights to be Jeffrey Epstein than Jeffrey Epstein did and he's just like I'm going to go hang out with God. Like, it's the saddest version of, like, I could go to the Eyes Wide Shut party, but I want to be real, yo. <laughs> like, it's so sad. I think, yeah, I don't know what to say about it, except, like, man. It's very strange. You even fail at being a villain. That's yeah. upsetting. Uh, he decided Hollywood's not for him, so he does, <laughs> he yes, does he what all science that. do. <laughs> yeah. He moves to Florida and gets into politics. Hell yes. This, by the way, is stage two of like five of Nick Loeb's life. Dude, we are just getting started. Okay, I now I want to make a, the unauthorized biography of Nick Loeb. Dude, right? There, there's a lot more there. We could do that. Okay. So he, he moves. He runs for city commissioner in Delray, Florida. What is your life, bro? <laughs> Loses narrowly after, according to him, Democrats and Republicans teamed up against him. Yes, you, sir, are the Bernie Sanders of Florida. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The voting machine. You know what Florida hates? Kids of billionaires who just want to get into politics. Matt Getz agrees with you. Yep. Uh, he then proceeded to have two failed Senate runs, one that he canceled. Oh, uh, okay. This guy's more incompetent than Matt Getz. So then he worked on Rudy Giuliani's election campaign. Yes. Another very interesting connection to this. Uh, He then ran for state senate in Florida where Mr. Giuliani hosted a fundraiser for him. The Epstein connections are getting a little more clear, dare I say. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he comes from New York money. It's kind of hard to... Mr. Loeb dropped out of the race because he didn't think it would be fair. He didn't think it would be fair to the constituency because he was going through a divorce at the time and he was big sad about it. (laughs) Kendall! Kendall! He's Ken- a tiny bit of Kendall. There's a little Kendall energy here. Although Kendall at least had the decency to like put a little teeth on it. Sometimes. Okay, when Kendall did his song, it was a rap. And that that's is right. why it and was better. Way better. Okay. In late 2011, he decided to run again. He summoned reporters to a Miami Beach hotel for an announcement about a U.S. Senate candidate. Okay. Now we. The, I love that you can summon reporters, though. That does. That is sort of perfect. At an event orchestrated by one Roger Stone. Wee-oo-wee-oo-wee. <laughs> that is... Oh, I'm just shivering with fear. It's so creepy. So this is his political career. He drops out again. Never yeah, happens. But at this time, he starts a relationship that will become the third phase of Nick Loeb's life. <laughs> uh, crunchy onion salesman. Okay. Slash boyfriend of one Sofia Vergara. Who this you does not him. say good things about Sofia Vergara, by the way. It does not. Uh, neither does her portrayal of an extremely stereotypical yeah. uh, character on Modern Family. But he was dating her as Modern Family blew up. And so he became somewhat national news That's right. as the boyfriend of Sofia Vergara. Uh, and 
she would show up to his political mm-hmm. campaign events and sort of be off in the corner. And at one point, reporters were like literally taking pictures of her while he was talking and he got upset about it because no one was there for him, <laughs> which is very good. She also had a bad habit of talking to other people during his press conferences. Very funny. Um, but there is a whole period of Nick's life mm-hmm. yeah. where his whole deal is that he starts a company. And that company is here to sell you a condiment. And that condiment <laughs> is dried fried onions. You didn't invent that, bro. You can get bags of that everywhere. Uh, Nick intended to be the innovator in the game. And so <laughs> I have looked this up. It is the most like bottom shelf at a bad grocery store shit mm-hmm. you've ever seen. But it is like he created a whole crunchy onion thing. He expanded into crunchy jalapenos and crunchy pickles. And he would follow Sophia around, go into like exclusive restaurants... Uh, and then pitch the owners of the restaurants on his crunchy onions. Okay, there's nothing sadder than a man who comes from these titans, mm-hmm. these evil people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These people that were we like... We say titans in the like Greek yeah, sense yeah, yeah. of terrible yeah. terrible beings that should be destroyed. People dropping $70 million on Harvard alone. Like people who are there with Alan Dulles sacrificing kids. Like this is his family, yeah. right? Like people who didn't like pitch you, they did shit. And they were evil and they were awful. Yeah, and the shit they did was fucking terrible. Masters of the universe. And he is going on his girlfriend's, like, just actor girlfriend's, like, coattails to pitch people on his onions. That is pathetic, man. Have some self-respect. Hey, man. The people need their onions. And they need them crunchy. (laughs) So Uh, sad. This culminated... Buy a fleet of restaurants and have them be onion-themed. What's wrong with you? This culminated. Uh... (laughs) Oh, I forgot one very special detail. He started working for Lehman Brothers in 2007. Yeah. Which is a very funny time yes. to start working for Lehman Brothers. So this was his post-Lehman Brothers bankruptcy. <laughs> Post-Lehman Brothers bankruptcy. Uh, uh, pivot to onions. This culminated in him tagging along uh, with the cast of Modern Family meeting one President Obama at the White House, wherein he attempted to <laughs> smuggle a bottle of his crunchy onions to give to Obama. His, evi- his grandfather had presidents working for him, and like he is now trying to bring he onions. He's trying to, to the smuggle president. onions into the Oval <laughs> Office. Man, man, we really do get further from God's light. <laughs> it's so good. Day. It's so good. Uh, evidently, <laughs> Sophia was not thrilled with this plan. Yeah. And they had a little tiff in the White House wherein he had to go back out and put the onions in the car. But Nick, oh, man. never one to be deterred. Uh, managed to smuggle a couple sample packets of the crunchy onions into the hands of a White House aide and said, make sure this gets to the White House chef. This is, this is like when you read about child kings, like as the, as, as, or excuse me, child emperors as Rome falls around them and like the, the, like barbarians are sacking the gates. It's like, dude, you are just so sad. Nick Loeb, the most failed son. (laughs) We did it. We we found him. We found it. Uh, so, uh, as of yet, by the way, uh, nobody has, uh, President Obama has yet to endorse Nick Loeb's crunchy onions. <laughs> hey, get uh, off the fence, Obama. There is a New York Times article with Nick Loeb talking about his crunchy onions, wherein he tells you that you can put them on ice cream and it tastes pretty good. And he also claims that they are sold in 17,000 locations. However, uh, I was unable to find them within a hundred miles of Los Angeles. <laughs> There's 20 million people here. Also, you can't buy them on Amazon. So I, I fear, I fear that, that we may be at the end of Nick Loeb's uh, innovations in the condiment game. That, 
is so funny. Also, his imbrication with the New York Times is uh, funny. And and that brings us to the final phase of Nick Loeb. <laughs> also connected to Sofia Vergara. You may have heard of this because while they were dating and they were engaged for several mm-hmm. years, and yeah. I guess at one point he got in a terrible car wreck and she like nursed him back to health and blah, blah, blah. They that would do- explain how he looks in the movie. Ayo. Uh, they were doing IVF. Yeah. Uh, she wanted, he wanted kids. Uh, she was a little more on the fence, but she said, okay, we can do it if we have a surrogate. Uh, so along the way, there were a couple fertilized embryos uh, that had been frozen. They broke up and Nick starts a legal battle that goes for several years to try to take control of the embryos. Normal guy stuff. Yeah. Guys being dudes. Yeah, dudes rock behavior. Uh, (laughs) Hey, fellas, you know when you've got a bunch of frozen embryos with your ex and you want to get those embryos at any cost. You know. You know that thing. I have to go back. I apologize to your listeners. I do try to keep some good consistency in the continuity of the Nick Loeb lifetime. But I forgot the best story. In this New York Times article, one of several you can find on Nick, uh, (laughs) at the end of his story about crunchy onions uh the reporter says at the emmys in september uh nick and sophia were sitting next to each other on the front row when modern family won the emmy for best comedy series Mm -hmm. the couple stood up and passionately embraced before she went on stage later mr Loeb emailed a photograph of himself clutching the golden statuette in one hand there was a jar of pickle crunch in the other Oh, my God, dude. So, he begins a legal battle to seize control of Sophia's embryos. <laughs> As one does. Sure. Culminating in one of the most deranged New York Times op-eds I have ever read. So, I want to say here, as you get into that, I can't believe the New York I, Okay. Actually, I can't believe the New York Times publishes this because this is the... The last nail in the coffin. It's a pay-to-play fucking paper. They do this, of course, for the people that are related to this. And any rich fuck can always, including uh, the most evil man in the world, Eric Prince, publishing a thing about how, like, oh, we just should run Afghanistan like a colony in England. Yes. Eric the New York Times has no legitimacy, you fucking morons. It is. It is. The op-ed columns of the New York Times have been used to defend everything from settler colonialism to uh, this shit. Settler Uh, colonialism. Yeah, settler colonialism of embryos. Uh, It is one of the darkest places uh, that liberals still can't seem to understand that like, hey, uh, Thomas Friedman is not your guy. (laughs) But they'll never figure that out. They they, they can't. Let me read you a couple selections from this, shall we? Mm -hmm. When we create embryos for the purpose of life, should we not define them as life rather than as property? Did you create the embryos, my guy? <laughs> Was that a thing you did? Did you did you do both parts of that? Um, does one person's desire to avoid biological parenthood outweigh another's religious beliefs in the sanctity of life and desire to be a parent? A woman is entitled to bring a pregnancy to term, even if the man objects. Should not a man who is willing to take on all parental responsibilities be similarly entitled to bring embryos to term, even if the woman objects? This is the comment section of Barstool Sports. And the New York, your, your, your beloved- In the paper of record. The paper, your beloved paper of record did this, because I guarantee you, the Salzburgers were like, okay, sure. Many have asked me, why not just move on and have a family of your own? I have every intention of doing so. But that doesn't mean that I... <laughs> I can get laid, bro. I yeah. can do it anytime I want. Bro, bro, it's it, my dick's normal. Don't you, worry you about it. You don't even know. You don't even know. 
Why not just move on and have a family of your own? I have every intention of doing so, but that does not mean I should let the two lives I have already created wow. be destroyed or sit in a freezer till the end of time. Oh my God, Nick. Buddy, move on. She left. Yeah. <laughs> you need to Nick, mourn, hit Nick. Hit the gym. <laughs> Nick, delete Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, Nick, delete the court system. Nick, get on Bumble. Uh, for as long as I can remember, I have dreamed of being a parent. I was only a year old when my parents divorced. My father gained custody, and I did not see my mother again until I was nine. Did, and then she died when I was 20. What he doesn't mention in this, and we can maybe cut this if we need to, is that his mother then got remarried and estranged from a third, uh, from her third husband, who was a newspaper guy. Yeah. And at some point after that, she hopped on a train from Durham, North Carolina, went to this newspaper, waited outside his office until he returned, went to the office with him, shot him three times in the face, came out and shot herself in the head in front of the entire newsroom. Uh I'm not going to make a joke about that. It is very sad. I don't sad. have anything to say about it, but that definitely... But it's also weird. Sounds like some Alan Dershowitz shit. It sounds very weird. It's very weird to me that you're just like throwing in this reference to like, I really want to be a father because I didn't see my mother that much. Uh, that is that is intense. This made me yearn for a type of family based on images one might see in a Norman Rockwell painting. Oh, dude. Oh, dude. Bro. Your family literally owned that rock well. Yeah, 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 yeah. There is, this is just succession. It's just, this is the actual sad core of yeah. Nick Loeb. Yeah, this is what succession would be if these were the actual people in the real world yeah. and not characters that have to do interesting and sometimes competent shit yeah. occasionally because it's TV. Uh, and then his final line, I take the responsibility uh, and obligation of being a parent very seriously. Bro, you're not a parent. It's not a thing you're literally you're not a parent it's not just about saving lives it is also about being pro-parent you're a dude who came in a cup once yep it's not parenthood that is not what parenthood is uh and so this begins if that was parenthood i would i would have (laughs) okay allard (laughs) calm it down (laughs) somebody fetch the ice (laughs) and i think that final story which by the way uh, a judge finally threw out this lawsuit for probably the last time the same weekend that this movie came out. Incredible. And Nick has specifically said that his own experiences in the court system fighting this battle has informed his desire to make this movie. This is an $8 million yep. diatribe about Sofia Vergara's embryos. Yes, yeah, this is an $8 million plea to the world that I should be allowed to steal Sofia Vergara's embryos and raise them as my own. Following the ruling against nick he released a statement the judge was clearly influenced by hollywood which is a pattern i expose in my upcoming film roe v wade on april 2nd bro your uncle owns universal what the fuck is wrong with you not anymore okay but your uncle owned hollywood for a while it's sad that sophia a devout catholic would intentionally create babies just to murder them uh Fuck off. Why do we live in a country where it is purely run by, like, Trump ran for president to prove he could? Like, why mm-hmm. are we running a country completely run and determined by the personal sad boy whims of rich people? Yep. Absolutely. By the fail sons. We live We live in the fail son universe. Donald <sighs> Trump, fail son. I hate it so much. Uh, so, yeah. I love, by the way, like, his whole, his op-ed is about how much he cares about being a parent. And yet... 
when he is finally ruled that by his own admission he is never going to be able to have his mm-hmm. children, which again never existed, but like right. you know, by the standards of his logic and morality, uh, you know, he will no longer be have access to his children, and he uses that as a moment to talk shit about his ex, yep. call her a murderer, and pitch his movie. The woman he considers incorrectly, but considers the mother of his children. Yep. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't get a didn't get a pickle chip reference in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, if only these babies that will now be in a t- locked in eternal torment and freezer could have tried Loeb's crunchy onions. <laughs> he holds up, he holds up the bag. <laughs> what a fucking asshole. Oh, okay, final thing I'll say, and we should get out of here. Yes. Uh, as reactionary and terrible as this movie is, uh, yeah. I need you to know that this was the toned down version of this film. I can't believe that. Because at some point, the Daily Beast got a leaked copy of That's the awesome. script pre-shooting. Mm-hmm. And aside from the already mentioned typos and factual inaccuracies, uh, there's also a few plot changes okay. that didn't make it into the final version. For one, uh, the original script began uh, with an abortion clinic being blown up. Oh. That was the opening scene. Okay. Uh, a strip mall in rural Florida, an attractive woman enters an abortion clinic only to exit, leaving behind her bag. As she walks back towards her car, the clinic explodes. I like that the script made sure to let you know she's hot, though. Yeah. Smoke show yeah. enters the abortion yeah. clinic yeah, 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 and blows yeah. it up. Yeah. The, the murderer uh, <laughs> is, is a hottie. The murderer is a dime. That's all I'm saying, okay? Then the narration kicks in. We have been in our second civil war for over 50 years now. Oh, man. I wish we'd watched that movie, though. Like, that sounds awful. Mm-hmm. But, like, at least there's some there's some snap to that. Yeah. Uh, then there's, like, shit with Margaret Sanger being, like, on her deathbed talking to Larry Later, who is played by Jamie Kennedy, being like, we can't let people know that we want to exterminate the Negro population. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Larry, they can't see this coming. Like, as much as this movie hints at the shadowy cabal, uh, the original text, the thing that he wrote, the thing he wanted to make until somebody around him was like, bro, add a little subtlety to it, was quite (laughs) literally being like, they want to kill all the black people. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yep. Uh, By the way, there is a hilarious... The final thing I'll say... Yes. uh, ...is that one of the people who worked on this film who was just talking about what a horrific experience it was Mm -hmm. and how much they'd been lied to and how people weren't being given to the script and, like, Kevin Sorbo backed out when he finally read the script. Kevin Sorbo was too good for your movie. Kevin Sorbo, Mr. God's Not Dead, atheist professor himself, (laughs) king of the reactionary Twitter take, was like, whoa, bro, this is a little intense. I don't know, man. So they stopped sharing the script with people before before they were shooting it. Uh, Gosh. They said, we've been told the film will open in a thousand theaters, but everyone's been lied to so much that we have no idea what's true anymore. The film had no theatrical distribution. It did premiere at CPAC. Important difference. (laughs) That is so funny. Don't watch this movie, dear listener. Really boot up Assassin 33 AD for the second time. Yeah. uh, It is so funny to me that Nick Lowe spent $8 million to uh, create this screed when he's already behind the times. He's coming for Roe v. Wade, but bro, the courts are already coming for Roe v. Wade. It, it, you didn't you didn't make it happen fast enough. The sort of personal core of this, I think, is where I'm I, mm. I my last sort of thing. I just I can't get over that he paid undoubtedly paid off the New York Times mm-hmm. to run an opinion piece in the paper of record about how he should be allowed to steal his ex's 
like embryos yep. that that he, he refers to exclusively as his children that he has been cosseted his entire life and then he made an eight million dollar film about how he was right about that though and after losing a lawsuit it is it is fascinating to watch an entire man fail while being given the all of the resources to do anything he wants. Yeah, this to- man had millions of dollars in his hands. He could have been a boring douchebag nowhere, yeah. just living life. But instead... He could have had a good time in his life. He could have just had a house in the hills, be partying with the Backstreet Boys. With he left- a Backstreet Boy. With a Backstreet Boy. He and le- the Bush twins. He left <laughs> all of that behind. So that he could make... The worst reactionary art. And even in that, bro, even in that with a much bigger budget than any of the other movies we've covered, you failed. You failed. You couldn't even do this shit right. You are the ultimate fail son. I think the only thing that makes me happy is to know that he's he's sad. He is deeply, deeply sad and fucked up and broken. And you saw in the New York Times article, he just wants a family to love him he's michael scott who just wants to have kids so that he always has friends but let me tell you nick you're never gonna have friends and let me tell you nick just like michael scott you are deeply problematic <laughs> my name is zachary allard you can find me at zachary underscore allard my on twitter my name is michael Tabor. you can find me at michael Tabor. follow the pod at shitty underscore pod where you can also find the link to our discord where will we be hosting nick load for an ama so hop in it's gonna be a good time pretty excited for that <laughs> very excited for that <laughs> <laughs> this is how we become the discord of record <laughs> and thank you guys so much for listening we'll see you next week